In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success and who to find it? That's the big question. Is it measurable? Can you obtain it? Can you dream it? Can you hold it? I'm on a quest to redefine how we view success, and I'd like to bring you on this journey. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. to be fulfilled. It is the real stories behind success. My name is Tony Grebmeyer. And imagine for a moment, we just threw money out of the equation. I wonder what today's guest is going to say when he's asked that all important question. What is your definition of success? We're with Craig Hanley today. He is definitely an interesting guy. I've seen some phenomenal things out of him. We're going to talk about his ups, his downs, and really just being a dynamic individual and looking over kind of his bio and who he is, I think this tagline says it all for me, making a human connection 24-7, 365. He is the owner and CEO of listentrust.com. Please welcome to the show, Craig Handley. Oh, I thought there'd be applause. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, man, first off, welcome. Thank you very much for uh, jumping on the show today. This is awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm a little bit of a goofball. Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I think if you're more yourself than anybody else, that's where you need to be because I think there's so many crazies in this world and there's not another Craig Hanley. So I'm excited that we got you today. <laughs> All right. Good. Well, let me just dress up for the interview and now we're ready to go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what is your definition? What is your definition of success? I, I think we're all here to help others and give back. So I think the more that you are doing for other people, the more you end up getting back on your own. I also believe there's a big difference between religion and faith. Yep. People who practice religion are a little crazy. I think the people that live with faith are really the ones who understand what religion means. It means going out without a parachute and having faith that whatever's in your heart and soul, that something, whatever it is, you know, will back you up and be there for you. So I think being successful also means that you're taking risks to live what's in your heart. No, I I think two things you already said that are really dynamic, right? You're here to have fun. And I think a lot of people miss that along life's journey. They're so tightly wound up. They're so frustrated when the deal doesn't go through. And if they would just step back for a moment and say, am I having fun? Maybe that's part of the problem. Like fun doesn't mean that going out and running naked to their neighborhood. I mean, maybe that's your version of fun. It means that you enjoy what you do and you love doing it because it makes an impact not only in your life, but it impacts other people. And at the end of the day, when you put your head on the pillow, you can say, that was a fun day. I had a lot of fun seeing a lot of people smile and lives changed. That's number one. Number two, religion and faith. I think so many people get caught up in the world of religion and have to see steps that they can't see in front of them, but they know they're doing the next right thing. And that for me is faith, knowing that there's something going to be there And I just believe it. Like I'll step off of a mountaintop with no parachute, but I have enough faith to believe that I've done everything in my power to make sure that I land where I need to land and not worry about the outcome so much. Question for you. Where'd you grow up? Grew up in Maine of all places. Tell me a little bit about your childhood growing up. You got any fun stories you can share? I was a paper boy. And, you know, I mean, I was fun stories. Yes. Not so fun stories. Got those too. My dad was a cop and I had a group of kids who used to bully me when I was, you know, really sixth, seventh, eighth grade. It was like three years of trying to take the long way home, hide through the woods. And there was like a group of like 13 kids who would always wait for me to push me in the snowbanks and beat me up. And, uh, and that wasn't fun. I remember sitting outside my junior high school for hours, hoping that the kids would be gone by the time I'd walk home. 
So that wasn't good, but it shapes you into who you are today. You know, when I became, when I was a freshman in high school, I hit the weight room, like I was thirsty for water, you know, and that's why I've got these big broad shoulders (laughs) because I just felt like big was safe. And so I worked on getting big and I had a huge chip on my shoulder. I felt like I had to prove that I was likable. I felt like I had to prove that I could be successful and all those things are good, but they're also bad too. But I was a paper boy and I won all kinds of contests selling because of those chips, you know, I mean, that's me trying to be likable, trying to prove success. I won a trip to Disney World. I learned at an early age all about door-to-door selling, you know. So I don't know. It was diverse. It had its ups. It had its downs, probably like many people's childhoods. And I learned a lot from it. Where'd you go after uh, high school? What was your next big move? I got accepted to Berkeley College of Music and uh, it was 29000 a year back in 1990. I know I look like I was born in 1990, but I actually was getting ready for college. Can't help how beautiful I am, and you know it happens. (laughs) Humble too, right? Yes, very Um, much. I I did win second place in Monopoly's beauty contest, so I—I mean, I figure that counts, right? So, what was the question? I got caught up in my beauty. No, I'm just just kidding. So, um, I got accepted to Berkeley College of Music. Didn't have any money to go, so I thought I'd join the army. The pitch is, we'll give you college money if you join the army. And I said, what pays me the most? And they said, well, if you're an infantryman and you lead the fight, you're the first ones to get shot and killed, but that's where we pay you the most money. And so I went in the Army Infantry and dug holes and slept in holes and carried the M60. And I was a big guy, remember? So they used to love me. Here's an M60, and can you carry this guy's pack along with your own? And so I had a good experience. I was well-respected, and I learned a lot about discipline and a lot about you know serving, leadership. I mean, the military teaches so many great lessons. And then I came out and I was going to Berkeley, but I wasn't because I got $750 a month, which helped pay the rent, but not so much college at Berkeley. So I went to a couple of local colleges for a few years learning music, and I just didn't want to be a music teacher. And somebody said, you know, you got the gift of gab, try sales. And I ended up working for an insurance company going door to door for two and a half, three years, you know, knocking on, imagine this big body showing up at your front door. I'm sure I scared the hell out of many Many a little old lady. <laughs> oh my God, there's some giant at my door. <laughs> what did I do? Nothing. I just want to talk to you about insurance. Yeah, I want to tell you about accident insurance because you could have an accident. Wink, wink. <laughs> I saw a lot of insurance with that line. How did a boy go from main ideas of Berkeley military door to door sales? and turn it into this big company today called Listen Trust. How did a guy take all of those acquired skills? I really resonate with being bullied and picked on and finding alternate routes because I also believe you said it kind of plays a little bit in who shapes us, but I also think it helps entrepreneurs to know that there's many, many roads to success and you can do it the hard way or you can do it, I think, the right way, which is figure it out, fail fast, get up and do it again and again, and then meet people along the way to do it with you so you're not doing it by yourself. So I was selling insurance and two and a half years in, I was making like $80,000. Wow. And they only pay you a residual for five years, this insurance company. And I'm like, you know what? This is the most I'm ever going to make with this company. I don't, because I've worked hard. You know, I'm not going to work this hard forever. So I don't see myself making more than I'm already making now. Maybe a little bit, but so I said, I need to find something else. So I started looking at other sales opportunities. And while I was trying different things, I worked part-time in a call center. 
and I loved it. You know, it was like I was getting inbound calls and I was really good at it. And I was applying all the sales techniques that I learned going door to door on the telephones. Oh. And next thing you know, my conversion was better than everybody else's. And they started listening to my calls and using what I was doing on the phones to help train others. Then they asked me to write scripts and copy. And they asked me to train other people to take over a team. Other people left and started their own call centers. They asked me to come work for them and consult for them and help build their centers. And, you know, I started in the call center. I was living in my mother-in-law's basement. And I remember during the training at my call center week, I was looking out the window at the Civic Center and I literally was crying because they were loading Sesame Street Live and I couldn't afford to take my two kids to it. And I remember that feeling of just, I can't pay my bills I was hitchhiking 35 miles to work because my car was broken and, well, it got repossessed. Then I bought a used car for cheap, but it wasn't working. So I would literally be hitchhiking, you know, to work on the highway and, you know, doing whatever it takes to make it happen. And I'm like, all I really want to do is take my kids to Sesame Street Live. And I started making money in the call center. And I remember when I moved to a different center where the owner said, I'm going to pay you $1,000 a week to work for me. And getting that $1,000 check, like, oh my God, I'm making $1,000 a week again, you know, which is kind of where I was with the insurance is a little bit more than that. But, and then it was 2000 a week. And I remember putting that check in the bank every week. And I'm like, well, now I've made it. I'm $104,000 a year right now. I mean, now I've made it. And I remember I went out and bought my first little Rolex, little $6,000 perpetual oyster Rolex. And I bought a nice pair of shoes in Beverly Hills, $300 B. And I'm like, you know, I made it you know? <laughs> and I, of course I hadn't made it anywhere, but as I started consulting around the world into the call centers, people would take most of my ideas, but not all of them. And at some point being a consultant for other people, the better I got, the less I got paid because it was like the locksmith. You hear the story of the guy who was a locksmith all his life and he walks in, he goes and opens your door and he hands you a bill for a hundred dollars and you go, but it only took you three minutes. If that same locksmith would have fumbled with the door and spent two hours trying to open it and finally got it open, and you hand you an $80 bill or a $100 bill, you go, okay, great, here's your money. I got so good at fixing people's challenges is that I went from making you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year to making back down to a hundred because people are like, well, you just fixed it in a week. Why do I want to pay you 50 grand for a week? And I was young. I didn't know how to ask for money the way that I know today, how to ask for money and my, you know, present my value. But I just thought I had to build my own thing. And I didn't have a lot of money still. There were times as I was building this business where I would be in Mexico and I put my ATM card in and there was no money for me to go home. And I had an apartment here, so I was okay on a cheap rent solution and I could buy hot dogs, which were 20 pesos. <laughs> so I had a special diet of tacos and hot dogs, which was very inexpensive. And we built this thing. And the reason we went from Maine to Mexico is there was nobody doing call center work in the US Hispanic market. And I thought it was an opening. I didn't speak Spanish, but I was like, ah, screw it. Let's give it a try. You know, looking over your site, I got to tell you, like, there's a couple things that really come true. A lot of people put like their core values, this and that. I love when clients are my messenger for me. They really say who we are and they're not paid. They're just because they love what value they receive. You have a VP of operations from ICTV on your site, Vince. He says, Listen Trust is not a vendor of ours. They're a partner. And you go on to read just a little bit about it and says, you know, that 1% when things don't go right, or it didn't go as planned, they react as a partner, not just another vendor. And see, Kim's back to the very first part of our kind of, I guess, the way we started today, which is, is doing what's right 
and making sure that people along the way are in the right place. And you also said, you know, that this wasn't your idea. You didn't speak Spanish. You didn't know much about it, but you had enough desire, will, and your heart was in a good place to say, hey, look, I'm going to take care of my kids. I got to take care of my wife. I'm living in my in-laws basement. Like I got to do some stuff. And that heart that you've been talking about from the very beginning, that bullied heart that knew what it needed to do. And even if you use the chip on your shoulder from the weight room as a freshman, all of those things got you to where you're at today. All of those talents, those skills, those abilities that I believe are in us all, but some of us don't tap into them. You had to tap into them at a very early age. And then they shaped you with what most people don't have is street smarts. They have book smarts. They have the ability to read and then give you a report on it. You have an ability to knock on a door or write a song or play music or jump off a house in a Speedo or to be in Mexico with your team training them. And what's the core mission behind all of your people at your company? I think that's something that I want to highlight today because I think so many people are talking about people and their company as like employees. But what are all the, what is the team that you've got designed at your company? What's the mission of all of your people? Well, I mean, a couple of things. One is to deliver awesomeness. But of course, the book we just wrote was called Hired to Quit. And so when we hire people, the one thing we try to do is find out what their dreams are, what their aspirations are. You know, what are the things they want to do in their life? Because I don't know, probably there might be a few people listening to us talk going, no, when I was 10, I had my own headset and I was prepared to be a call center agent all my life. That's what I dreamt of doing, answering phone calls for other people. And maybe there's a few, but it wasn't me. That's for sure. I was going to be a rock star. And most of my employees, when I've asked them, not once has one person told me they dreamt of working in a call center. You know, they wanted to work for the government. They wanted to, you know, work in aerospace. Or one person wants to open a uh, place for dogs, a kennel for runaway dogs. And another person wanted to build a fitness center for kids to teach them how to box. And another guy was a lawyer who wanted to have his own law firm and hang out his own shingle. And and they've all want to go to Disney World or Machu Picchu or, you know, one of my directors just got back from a trip to Europe where he went to Spain and France and all over Europe and good for him, you know, and my COO actually quit and bought a golf course. And so, I mean, I want to know what people want to do and I want to help them do it. And by me helping them find out what their dreams are and live their dreams, They've helped us build a world-class call center while they're here and help me live my dream, which is to build this amazing business. What's your day-to-day kind of routine look like from the time you wake up in the morning until your time to go to bed? I would love the non-sugar-coated version, the more reality version, because it's also going to help to paint another picture that I figured two things on the show and I'll share them at the end. I'm going to tie some great things together, but I would love to know your picture of kind of your day. You can pick the day of the week too. It doesn't matter. You know, I guess... It depends, like it's been changing up because as we're looking at, you know, potentially selling the business, I've got an operations team that has stepped in and they've taken over a lot of the operations. And so I used, it's funny. So I started out doing sales and my business partner said, well, I want to do sales. Why do you get to do sales? Why am I always in operations? And I'm like, I don't care, do sales, I'll do operations. And so we kind of flipped it around that way. And I've been doing operations for the last few years. I try today, and there was a time when I was meeting with each department head and working with committed action and just managing them and mentoring them in order to make sure they knew what they were doing. And it was a couple of brief meetings. And then I was on phone calls and things like that. Now, as far as the company goes, I am on the board meeting calls, I'm on the operations calls once a week, finance calls once a month. 
But really, I look at this business today as an investment, and I still work with the people, but I'm doing a lot promoting the book, getting the word out about building dream trust in your own business. I'm doing more music, more viral videos. I'm a musician by, you know, in my passionate world, in my heart, I love to write music. And so I've been writing more songs that I think could be like, I'm writing a new one called Isles of Love, and I'm looking for a grocery store sponsor. And that's about meeting a girl in the grocery store. And it's funny as hell. You know, let's see, I've got the lyrics right here just to give you an idea. So Isles of Love. Pulled up front, the grocery store needed milk and bread, not much more. But you know what it's like when you walk through the door? You always end up with things you didn't bargain for. We grabbed the same cart and I brushed her hand. Well, you know she didn't have a wedding band. Before she moved away, I got a little smile. Then she turned away and headed down the aisle. Now I'm feeling lucky in a friendly mood as I checked her out by the frozen food. Wonder if she glimpsed me in the glass. Could she see me checking out her beautiful reflection? I love it. I love it. No, no, so no, I love it. You get the idea. And I'm thinking, you know, Whole Foods or Sprouts or somebody's going to sponsor this bad boy and give me some money for it. And it's a viral video. You know, somebody's going to think this is funny and want to watch it. I know. I love it. I love the fact that, you know, through your career, you've even opened for some really great people like Coolio. What was that like? I opened for a Coolio event where Coolio was performing a concert. We opened for him in the Cow Palace in San Francisco in front of 13,000 people. That was my first venue. I saw Prince back in 1984 at the Cow Palace. Yeah. God, it was amazing. Having all, I mean, I had dancers, break dancers. It was just an amazing, an amazing do you, do experience. You see, do you really see yourself like walking away from your business and really just putting pen to paper and having fun because you were offered record deals and you turned them down because the pay wasn't good enough? Now, could you see yourself just having fun doing what you're doing now? Because you seem so alive when you were reading that. You just seem like that was really a good element for you. I've seen you play the piano and do a Facebook Live and just go for it. Like, I see you're so alive in that element. Is that fun for you? Just Could you do that? Could you see your life just doing that? Yeah, I could. I could do that. I actually just reached out to, um, God, there's a big producer that I just reached out to. And he did a Demi Lovato song. He's got a great viral video on how they wrote one of her new songs. And I just sent him an email just because, I think trying to connect to some of the bigger artists. I mean, I have Oak Felders, the guy I just reached out to. And I, you know, I just think he wrote a cool song. And I just wrote a song called Me Too. And it's about the women's movement. And I'm trying to get a strong female singer to sing it because it's a song that needs to be sung by a woman. And so I think that that could be a viral song. I want to donate 100% of the, the revenue from that song, the money that would be created from a song like that to a woman's charity. I've got a daughter who was sexually assaulted at 16. And so I've been through what some of the women have gone through. And uh, so I don't seem like a sensitive guy, but I certainly have a little teddy bear heart inside there sometimes. <laughs> no. And I, well, I mean, first off, you have experienced that 16 with a daughter looking, trying to console and understand. And then I can't speak on the movement, but I can put a hashtag next to my name and say me too. My sister yeah. can put a hashtag next to her name and say me too. And that is something that affects all of us in some form or fashion. So what I'd love to do is take a quick little break and come back and we'll get down success mound today. And one of the things that I kind of want to plant as we head into this break is this idea of somebody needs to give a presentation on you, Craig, and they want to give the best stuff in the quickest amount of time to impact the tens of thousands of people crammed in this auditorium because they also want you to pick up your musical instrument and play a little bit of some of your songs, but also who you are at the core. Because, see, I keep going back to how we started today. 
that kid trying to find a way has found his way in life. And now he's finding it in the next chapter of life with using more of what he learned in the very beginning of life, going off to Berkeley, have a chance. And he wanted to keep serving. See, there's a servant part of your heart that keeps showing up over and over. It's this consistent theme. And then you wanting to help your employees and your teammates and everybody to win. And if I sell the business, what's going to happen? You know, I just want to write music. I just want to leave an impact on the world. So you've done that already in a short period of time with me. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about kind of you and your journey and where do you see yourself and we'll have some fun in the fulfillment round. So we'll be right back on the Be Fulfilled Show with today's special guest, Craig Handley. Are you suffering from marketing dysfunction? Are you not able to perform online as well as you could when you were younger? Unable to keep up with the intimate demands of buying product, running offers, and shipping items to your customers? Say hello to Ship Offers, clinically proven to enhance the growth and longevity of your business. Get some today at shipoffers.com. All right, we are back on the Be Fulfilled Show. It is the real stories behind success. What do you do when you got a giant teddy bear on your show who can put on a, a helmet or a face mask in 30 seconds? He can sing with Pavarotti if you had the opportunity. He could literally write lyrics that could go with any jingle you ever could imagine. He runs a company called Listen Trust in Mexico. He's helping people on a day-to-day basis. His whole idea is about making a human connection 24-7, 365. Wrote a new book. It's out now. He's working on getting it translated into a Spanish. And it, it is in Spanish and English. There it oh, is. Hired to quit. I love it. I love the fact that he's here today to help understand more about who we are. It's not what happens to us, as Jim Rohn says. It's what we do about it. It's what we do about what happened to us. From a kid knocking on doors, selling anything he could to basically realizing, man, I can't make any more than I can make right now. So what do I need to go do as he's living in the basement of his in-law's house He gets this idea from a call center to now open a call center business. Give me some highlight for you of your business that you just love every single day you get to be a part of at your company. Like what's one big thing? I think it's the culture that's here, the camaraderie that's here. Everybody here is kind of more like family than anything else. I mean, that's, we've done a lot of, we gave away six cars one year. And I remember every two months we did a big party, giving away these cars to our employees, raffling them off. And we have a Christmas party every year that is talked about in all of Hermosillo. I mean, every year. And we ran out of beer, like in the third year we did it, and we've never run out of beer since. And so, <laughs> Is it like um, office party? We have two live bands. We have a band that comes in early, and then we have a second band that steps up, you know, once dinner has kind of been served to really crank the party up to the next level. I wish we could keep it open all night, but it's usually pretty crazy where... We give away Christmas gifts and things like that, and we have photo booths. And, but really, it is a just a huge party, and the employees look forward to it from usually the day after the party. They're not looking forward to it because they're still a little hungover. But, but by the second day after the party, they can't wait till next year's party. Oh, I love that. Oh, it's what's, crazy. What's one of the biggest challenges you found running a business in Mexico? I think it's the same challenges you have anywhere. I mean, there was some acculturation adaption that I had to learn about when we first got here, you know, where a lot of the employees were really in this whole mindset of taking direction as opposed to kind of doing their own broad strokes. So there was a little bit of communication stuff I had to work on early on. But some of the biggest challenges have been in a call setting, you're dealing with a lot of clients and in a direct response call center. I mean, we've had the book covers restarts and really turnarounds. I think almost Anybody could have gone out of business in the business we're in four or five times. We had a client go to retail, drop 20,000 calls. 
overnight and I had 1,400 employees and all of a sudden I needed 500 and I didn't have the revenue to support the staff that I had. And you can't fire people in Mexico without paying a large severance. So I was like, well, maybe I hang on to them and bring in business. We rerouted calls as best we could to our best performers and some people left. And it took us, you know, four months to go from making money to losing money for four months to going back to making money. And just managing through that was like, oh my God. I mean, I think I was sure that we were going out of business. And I think I've been sure that we were, I've never thought we were going to go to business. That's not a true statement, but I've had at least three or four opportunities to know that we could have failed without the right mindset, I guess is a better way to say it. What are some things that have helped you to become an incredible father, mentor, coach? What are some things that you've learned about life that you maybe picked up from other people you've been able to use for yourself? I don't know how incredible I am at this, but I really think I just learn about what people want in their lives. And I care about what people want in their lives and what their goals and their aspirations and their values are. And I, I just believe in them. Like, I believe we can do anything. I think Elon Musk said that he wonders sometimes if we're run by like space aliens or whatever, and we're all part of a big video game. And when I write down my dreams and my goals, I wanted to meet the Dalai Lama. I met the Dalai Lama. I wanted to meet the remaining living Beatles. And not only did I meet Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr, but I met George Harrison's wife and I met Yoko Ono. You know what I mean? So just putting that intention out there, how's a small town guy from Maine going to have Paul McCartney put his arm around him, you know, at a session where, and it was because I was talking to Richard Branson, who I met, I snuck into the DMA in San Francisco and pretended like I was security and gave him $20 wrapped around my business card. It says the first 20 we're going to make together. He goes, all right, brilliant. He put it in his pocket, gave me his email. And then I was on Necker five years later, I'm on Necker for a week with Branson. And I asked him about that. He goes, you don't get to be a billionaire without taking people's money. He goes, lesson number one. (laughs) It was $20 is $20. And I'm like, okay, brilliant. You know? And then I invited him to be my guest at this Paul McCartney event. And he's like, well, I'm already going as a guest of honor. Come up and say hello to me at my table. Little did I know that Richard would be sitting with Dave Grohl, Tom Hanks, you know, Yoko Ono. I'm like, so I'm like, oh, hey, Richard, how's it going? Oh, brilliant. Nice to see you. And Paul put his arm around me and said, can I say hello to my friend? I didn't get a picture, so I can't prove it really happened, you know, but I tried. I'm the only loser down the front row trying to get a selfie with Paul McCartney. But you know, I'm like, how do I do this? Somebody take a picture. <laughs> but I've, I've done, I mean, I was at Ringo's birthday party. Wow. How the hell does that happen? I got to talk to Ringo. I got to, uh, you know, to meet Joe Walsh and Steve Lukifer. And I mean, just all these famous musicians from the eighties were at Ringo's birthday party. I sat next to Jim Carrey for God's sakes. And I looked behind me was Ringo. I was up further in the, because I did a favor for David Lynch many years ago, a charity event. And I did some charity work for a client of David Lynch and a service he believed in. And I didn't know it would result in him inviting me to Ringo's party, but you know, just all these little weird intentions that one dot connected to the other dot connected to the other. Anyway, it's a long answer, but I believe in people and I believe we can do anything. And so that's, I think, you know, but, but those go in alignment kind of when you look at your core values, be positive, be fun, right? And have each other's back and a desire to improve. Like I think it perfectly and is alignment with everything that we've been talking about today is about this desire in us, like from the very first step of faith. Like I think yeah. we all like I was taught religion as a child. I was born into a Jewish family. I was lived with my father, Catholic. I lived with a Christian family and I married a Mormon. That was my like upbringing, right? 
And then we all put it in a Vitamix and just hit puree and we believe, right? That's faith to me. I believe there's something more than maybe we are in a giant video game. Like I'm just doing my best to survive today. Aliens, God, Buddha, you know, whatever it is. It's there's an energy. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the other thing that I love. Bob Proctor talks about everything's energy. You know, you take our body, you put it in a dark room and we're actually giving off energy. You look at our hands under a microscope. Everything's moving. Everything on us, our paper, everything around us has energy flowing through it. So you're just a conduit for good. I think that's the piece that I'm going to leave. You're just a conduit. You do your best. I haven't heard anything today that was shocking. So I'm going to ask you a shocking question. What's the craziest thing you've ever done and got away with? (laughs) So when I released my album, I was writing sales articles for QuestX magazine. I don't know if I should tell this story. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) So Questex Magazine took over a bunch of trade shows. And one of the trade shows they took over was the Adult Video Awards, better known as the Porn Awards. The AVNs. And they needed a host. And they said, Craig, don't you want to be the host? We only have $3,000 in our budget for this because we didn't know we were doing it. We don't have anybody else. You just wrote an album. And there are 70,000 people coming to this event. And your record's going to get so much attention. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to perform songs for three days straight at the AVN Awards. And we'll interview the stars and everything else. And we'll promote our music. And all the clubs in Vegas for that week offered to play our album in the clubs, you know, as a bonus. And I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Well, we were kind of like Nick Cannon on America's Got Talent, where we had to interview all the celebrities and all the stars. And that was interesting. And once (laughs) there was this company, Liberator Furniture, and they were like, oh, try out our cushion. And it's like a thing they strap you into and they handcuff you in and strap your legs down. And I'm like, oh, ha, 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 I'm going to lie down on the thing. And there was only like maybe 30 people that were kind of around that area. And so I get strapped in. And the next thing I know, this girl comes over and climbs on top of me. And all of a sudden, there's 70 people. And then HBO comes over with their cameras filming like the oddity, the odd shows. Next thing I know, there's 300 people. Well, anytime you get a camera and a crowd, the porn stars kind of show up. It's like, it's like viral. So now this other girl comes over and she just sits on my face and I'm like, my mother's going to see this. You know, <laughs> what do I do? And I'm never embarrassed. Like I don't usually get embarrassed. I usually can handle almost any situation, but now I'm like embarrassed because I don't know whether I'm supposed to, what am I supposed to do with that thing in my face? You know? And that was really awkward. And what was even more awkward, and I'm not going to, say what I did. I blacked out. <laughs> I, I, get it. I blacked out. I did. I don't remember. But here's the funny part. I'm lying there and then two other girls come over behind me and they start punching me in the head as hard as they can. Little did I know that I had been inundated with the pleasure and pain girls. And, uh, and I was, they were literally kicking the crap out of me. And so that probably is one of the wildest stories that I have that I can come up with. I mean, I've got a lot of wild stories, but that's probably the only time in my life that I've actually been embarrassed and not known really how to handle a situation. I've never been. ever see it? No, no. And I've never seen the video of it either. I have pictures. I have some pictures of me (laughs) being in awkward positions, but you know. No, the reason why I asked you, because I had met you at Genius Network, had a chance to spend some time, mutual friend Joe Polish, and you just, you have a great personality. I don't think it has a chip on your shoulder today. I think that chip has turned into an awesome mindset, a really just big heart for helping giant teddy bear. You love to pick up and play on the piano and you just, I think you like entertaining people. I think that's 
what I remember most about our first kind of time. And then a couple of weeks later, I literally turn on Facebook and there you are in all your glory in a Speedo jumping off the roof into a big pile of snow. <laughs> and I just think about having fun. I think about somebody being like, hey, this is me, like, like me, love me, but this is who I am. And at the core, I, you know, I want to do good and spread laughter and love because I think the world needs more of it because we did talk about the Me Too movement. We talked about there's a lot of craziness going on in the world and you have just an upbeat personality and a positive light that shines, you know, bright in a lot of ways that takes the darkness and kind of makes it a little, a little less dark and helps people to see for themselves like, you know what, just try to have fun the best you can and know that there is something in this world called energy light that's going to help us. And so I just want to say thanks for being on the show today. I learned a lot of cool stuff. I mean, you talk about your business, you talk about, you know, running a call center and having a business and all of those wonderful things. But I want to tell you from just a fan of you and then listen, trust and kind of understand what you guys are up to and how you're changing the game a little bit by helping people. It's just thanks for just sharing today. We went on a wild ride from you in the beginning until just you sharing at the very end. Thank you. It means a lot to me. Maybe, that. maybe I shouldn't have shared that story, but you know. We can always cut it out. Don't worry about that. I think the most important thing is, is that <laughs> life happens to us. It's what happens to us that ultimately defines our life. Life is happening with or without us participating. It's going to go on. But the things that you've been doing along the way have really really shine today. And I just I'll tell him that story. And I could see you getting awkwardly silent. I'm like, well, maybe that wasn't the right story. Oh, no, it's fine. My <laughs> editors, on the other hand, it may be a little awkward for them. But but it's also like what I the title of the show, the real stories behind success. This isn't that a, is a real story, story, right? Crazy. So what I'd love to do is drop in the fulfillment round. This is just a way for you and I to get to know each other a little bit better. Any audience member today listening gets a chance to go, wow, I didn't know Craig did that. That's interesting. Wow, I didn't know he likes that. So this is just a way for us to get to know you a little bit deeper. So if you say you're ready, say I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. You get a chance to go back to college, not as a student, but as a professor. And you're saying to yourself, to all these incoming freshmen, what would be the subject you would try to find yourself teaching besides music today at college and why? Networking or sales. I think those kind of go hand in hand. I think any business that you have, knowing how to sell, knowing how to personalize and disarm a person, which are both significant. Personalizing is completely different from disarming, and you have to be good at both. Asking the right questions to find out what their needs are, what the things they need in their life are, so you can actually communicate with them and present feature function and primary benefits as to why they might want to know who you are. And then maybe closing on you know a relationship of some sort of friendship and seeing where that goes. But I think if you can't sell and you can't network, then you shouldn't own a business. You should work for somebody else. And so that would be probably where I would start. And that's one of the things I tell all my employees here is no matter what you want to do in life, learn our sales manual front to back, learn how to communicate with people, and then go out and quit and use that skill in order to build your own stuff. I like that. Thank you for answering that question. I think it's important too, like a couple things, like the knock is available to all of us today. We have the ability to knock on doors. We have the ability to grow and get outside of ourselves. If you were to look back on some of maybe the best pieces of advice you picked up from mentor or coach or books that you've read, give me one or two today that you really have bought into fully as good ways of living a good life. You know, one of the values that we have is keep an open mind. And one of the things I love doing is allowing faith in the universe to intervene into my path. Mm. And so I'm not afraid to put it out there. I have a good friend, Yannick Silver, and he and Derek Coburn, 
who runs Cadre, another great company or event company in DC. And Yannick runs the Maverick Group. And after the Capitals won the Stanley Cup, they were like, you know what? They're going to be out with the cup. They're going to be drinking somewhere in DC. Let's just put it out to the universe and let's go out and see if we can find them. (laughs) And he and Derek just went out and they ended up running into them at the bars and they ended up partying with the Capitals all night. It was like something on his bucket list to do. And he kept an open mind and he just put it out there and did it. And I tend to have that approach to life as I have, I'm going to go next week and I'm going to speak at a prison. And somebody asked me if I'd do it. And I'm like, that's just weird enough for me to think, yeah, I should do that. And I kept an open mind about it because it wouldn't have come in my path if perhaps I was supposed to say no, you know? Were you talking about Steve? Are you going with Steve? Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to one of his, uh, he was a guest on the show and I love him, but I was listening to his car ride. I think he was going to San Diego and he just dialed up people. I was wondering maybe if that second person he dialed was you talking to you about going out to uh, prison. What's that like for you? What do you think that's going to be? I don't know. I'm open-minded to it though. And I've got an open mind and I'm hoping that it's positive and fun. And I hope I can teach something and, and give something back, you know, to other people who have made mistakes and they're, you know, on their way out to re-enter the world and they want to do something with their life. And a lot of these people, I mean, I've met some incredible people who have gone to prison and come out and they're incredible leaders and, you know, they want to make good on, they don't want to, you know, go to their grave looking back saying, this is what I did with my life, nothing, you know, and they have got a bucket list of their own. And so I'm excited to help and to get involved in that and see what happens. I'm open my Thanks for being of service. I heard this quote not too long ago. People can change right up until their last breath. What does that mean to you? I think that I just did uh, last March, I did 40 Years of Zen. Dave Asprey's a good friend, and he's got a 40 Years of Zen, which they've got millions of dollars to brain equipment, and you do two years of therapy in a week. And you do guided meditation. I literally watch my alpha waves, beta waves, theta waves go up. My intelligence grow through a computer day over day. I literally watched it happen and I healed, you know, and and you say the chip on my shoulder didn't exist. Well, it still was in existence when I was there because I still looked on Facebook at this kid, Rice. Rice used to follow me around and was like one of my biggest tormentors in junior high. I literally knew where he worked. What do you, I mean, this is like last year and how many years has it been since junior high? And I knew he was a doorman at a club. He was a doorman at a strip club, and that's where his life ended up. Another one of the kids actually killed somebody and was in prison that used to bully me. Yeah, I mean, I was keeping track of these guys because why? Because the chip still existed. Mm. And so I did this guided meditation and worked through and forgave, you know, everybody and thanked them for the person that made me be. And I worked through a lot of it. There's still issues. You know, I mean, we all we all are just a bundle of issues in most cases, some less than others, but we've all got our own. Look, if you don't have issues, if you grew up with great parents, which I had great parents, I think we still create issues for ourselves, you know? (laughs) So I don't know. But what I think it means is that the brain is neuroplasticity. The brain can be shaped and reshaped. And up until your last breath, I think that we can be better people or worse. You know, I mean, we can decide to go the other way too, I guess. No, I just want to say thanks. I think the fulfillment round for me was just uplifting, I think, from from just life in general, right? I try to live life on life's terms, and sometimes life is difficult, but I know that there's a lesson in everything that I do. There's somebody teaching me a lesson, good or bad, and my job is to study and figure out more of what I want to do and less of the stuff that I don't like doing. I just want to say, man, it's been an absolute honor. Our time flew by today. 
this is a question that I love to wrap up the show with. If there was something that I didn't talk to you about today that you were just kind of thinking to yourself, man, just coming on, I'm going to have fun, but I would love to talk about this. I always give you the opportunity to just share that right now. If not, we'll just wrap up the show and go on. Yeah, I think we covered a lot of good stuff. I mean, we didn't, you know, we didn't talk a lot about, we covered some Dream Trust and we covered some of the restart stuff, but I think overall it's been a great conversation. Wonderful. You know, we talked about music, which always I always enjoy. So, uh, yeah. can we? I'd love to put in the show notes a link to some of your material too. So, I'd love to make sure that anybody listening today want to go catch some more, buy a CD, like literally buy your book. We'll get all those links into the show notes today. So, anybody listening, you just head over to tonygrubmeyer.com, type in Craig, you'll find them. And I just want to say thank you very much for being a guest, being who you are, showing up the way you do. And I really enjoyed the last bit which was talking about maybe that chip you, as I said, was gone, but you realized how maybe it was buried and through some guided meditation with Dave and et cetera, you were able to see how you could forgive. You never forget, but you can work on that forgiveness. Yeah. And I just, I want to say that was very helpful for me. And I hope anybody listening today, you found that. And if so, make sure when you leave a review today that you mentioned that you enjoyed your time with Craig and all that he had to say because it was an impact on me and I can only imagine what the impact was on the world listening today. So thank you again for being on the show. And don't hesitate to say that he's sexy and smart too because he did win second place in Monopoly's beauty contest. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the sexy and fun, the second place winner in Monopoly's beauty contest. That's Craig Hanley. My name is Tony Grebmeyer. And until next time, go make today the absolute best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at drainersanddrivers.com and download my free mini course designed to give you more clarity and freedom in your day. It might just change your life forever. Forever.